Now time for the BCHL Podcast. All the way in front, backhand, scores! Turn on the red light, the Capitals win it. Donaldson shoots, scores! Sean Donaldson shorthanded. Now one of a breakaway, in alone is Libel. Club save is Colby Hedquist. Nice move. Tanelli to the goal, to the backhand, scores! Cue it up. Tyson Dickett again, he scores! There's one for the highlight reel. Magnus all the way around, he scores! How do you do? Zach Michaelis, coast to coast! You go back to the goal! Oh, what a setup! Oh, me, oh my, put that a PCHL tonight! Hey there, welcome to the BCHL Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. We are back in business with another great episode for you with two fantastic interviews. But before we get to the guest list, I would like to remind you that the BCHL podcast is presented by Finning. For more information about Finning and their products, visit their website at finning.com. That's F-I-N-N-I-N-G.com. All right, on today's episode, as I mentioned, we have two great guests. First up, a little bit of a different guest than we normally have on the BCHL podcast. Today, we have the Senior Director of Athlete Relations from College Hockey, Inc., and that is Sean Hogan. And after that, we speak with Surrey Eagles forward Jake Bongo. First up is our conversation with Hogan. For those who don't know, College Hockey, Inc. is an organization uh, that partners with the NCAA and uh, promotes college hockey and uh, the college hockey path. They're uh, quite often uh, speaking with youth hockey players to educate them on the college hockey path to the pros. Uh, And Sean has been with the organization since 2019. Before that, he was a head coach at several different universities, including Oakland University, University of Arizona, and Ohio University most recently. But he decided to switch things up, as I mentioned, in 2019 and join College Hockey, Inc. So uh, we talked to him uh, about a wide variety of subjects involving college hockey. College Hockey, Inc. recently produced a study and a research project involving uh, the province of British Columbia and their ties to college hockey. Some very impressive numbers, and of course, uh, a lot of that has to do with the BCHL. Um, College Hockey, Inc. also partnered with the league on an information seminar a month ago, speaking with 2007 to 2009 born youth hockey players to educate them on the college hockey system and the path uh, through the BCHL and to college hockey. Uh, So uh, a ton to talk about, a ton to cover with Sean. Uh, We had a great chat, so let's get to it. Here is our chat with Sean Hogan, the Senior Director of Athlete Relations for College Hockey, Inc., All right, Sean. Well, uh, most BCHL fans should be familiar with College Hockey, Inc. already, but uh, for those that are not, uh, are you able to just uh, give us a quick rundown of what exactly College Hockey, Inc. is and what do you guys do uh, on on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Yeah, absolutely, Jesse. First of all, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to speak to the BCHL and always excited to talk about College Hockey. So, College, we do a variety of things at College Hockey. I guess sometimes there's a misperception out there as to what we do. One of the things that we do is we do work to grow the game. So we partner with NCAA Division One athletic departments, and we work with those athletic departments to try to create more NCAA Division One hockey teams. And, and that outreach project is working. Um, there will be more teams in the future, um, and that's great news for, for players in the BCHL and minor hockey players in British Columbia. Um, and really, better hockey players everywhere because more teams means more of an opportunity to choose the NCAA Division One development path. We also do a lot of research at College Hockey Inc. and 
hopefully many of the fans of the BCHL saw our research project of the 97 British Columbians playing NCAA Division One hockey and where they played at ages 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Um, but really at our core, what College Hockey Inc. is, is, is we're an education organization, right? We're, we're out there trying to educate the young, expiring 14, 15, 16-year-old hockey player um, on their road to NCAA Division One because young players have choices on their road to the NHL, and that's different than other sports, right? I always use football as an example because football players' road to the NFL is very clear-cut. They play high school football. They go to their university. Hopefully, they're drafted from their university and have an opportunity in the NFL. Uh, hockey players have choices, and one of those choices is to participate in the CHL, and in Western uh, Canada, that's the WHL. And those players are not eligible for NCAA athletics. So we're the organization out there educating young players everywhere about the benefits of pursuing NCAA hockey. Yeah, you mentioned the the research project that you did published uh, early last month. Um, that's where I wanted to go next. Um, uh, this was one of several projects uh, that you did for, for provinces across Canada. Uh, before we get into the details and some of the numbers, and you just touched on this a little bit, but when you're putting these projects together and digging into these numbers, what do you hope to accomplish with these initiatives? So really what we want to show is we want to, when we meet the families or, or we're given a seminar, um, similar to what we did uh, in Coquitlam, I want the families and, and the young players to walk away knowing what it looks like uh, on the road to NCAA Division One, I. I think if, if they don't know what it looks like and they don't have a path cut for them, then it might be easier for them to, to sign away their, their eligibility to NCAA and maybe make another choice, right? But if we can lay out there and say, hey, this is what it looks like for a player from British Columbia or this is what it looks like for a player from Ontario. And we do the same thing in Michigan and Minnesota and really all over North America. And we can really show, you know, we can make it, unique to them and to the area where they're from, I think it makes it a lot easier for them to walk away to be excited about NCAA hockey. So that's really what we're trying to show um, is what it looks like for players from certain areas. Yeah, there were some pretty impressive numbers that came out of it. Um, in your um, study that you published, 311 current NCAA Division One players came directly from the BCHL. And actually, when you dig even deeper, um, the way uh, we do it at the league is minimum 10 games uh, played in the league. We count you as an alumni so or an alumnus, and there's actually mm -hmm. 411 with those uh, min minimum 10 games experience. That's uh, about 23.4% of current Div 1 players have at least come through the BCHL uh, and played uh, that minimum 10 games. So uh, those are pretty staggering numbers when you see uh, stats like that. Uh, what stands out to you? What does it mean to you uh, when you actually break it down? Well, I think what, it, what we're trying to show is that if you're from British Columbia um, and you want to pursue NCAA Division I hockey, um, you can stay home in your province. You can play your minor hockey uh, in British Columbia. You can play in the CSSHL or you can play in the UT, U18 BCEHL. Uh, and play well enough to get noticed in the BCHL. And then that is where our research shows is where the NCAA process mo is most likely to begin. So for a player from British Columbia, the average commitment age uh, was 19.1. And that's going to take place in the BCHL. Um, so it's important that we lay out that kind of roadmap for a player. And then you put that in comparison to uh, maybe their other choices in, in, in the CHL. And you start to realize it's not always apples to apples, right? Because the WHL... Um, is an under-20 junior league that drafts players as young as 14 and 15 years old. And NCAA hockey takes place typically past the age of 20. Uh, so we can lay out that, group, uh, that that roadmap for players, and they can be comfortable in knowing 
that, hey, I can stay home. I can play here in British Columbia, play well enough to play uh, to be noticed in the BCHL, and that's when my process is going to begin. So that's the big takeaway uh, for families in our presentation. Yeah, you mentioned the average age of commitment, 19.1 years old, and it always surprises me when I see um, the age, the average age when, when people commit, because I know uh, w- when you're younger and you're coming up, you, you kind of might get the impression that you need to have everything figured out by the time you're 16 years old and you have to have your future all mapped out. But these numbers show that that's not the case. Like the majority of players, at least coming from BC, and I know it's pr- a pretty similar number in other areas, are they're not getting that commitment until they're 19. So when you reference that number, uh, what what are you hoping to get across to kids that may be feeling a little impatient or maybe a little bit worried that they don't have their future fully mapped out? Yeah, I, I think that's that's exactly what it is. We're just trying trying to show them what it really looks like. I mean, we all know players are going to earn commitments at the earliest possible date at, at 16 years old. But but really, what that does, and that's great for those players. There's always going to be players like that. Um, but that creates that wake of anxiety typically around that player, the, the players that play with that player and players that play against that player. Everybody starts to think, well, where's my commitment? And, and in their minds, it starts to feel like, well, this is the normal time to get a commitment at 16 years old. So when we do this research, it really is to, to really lay out um, the, the facts, one, um, that it's not a race. And this is what it looks like for players from British Columbia on the road to NCAA Division One. So a, a, another piece of that study was uh, referencing some of the the bigger names uh, that have come through the BCHL, stayed in BC and went on to play college hockey and the pros. Uh, you got players like Paul Correa, Brendan Morrison, more recently Devon Taves and, and Kent Johnson. What does it do for young hockey players to see examples like that um, coming from their home province, coming through the, their home junior A hockey league, and then going on to, to have successful careers? What does it do for them to see those examples as they're making their way through youth hockey? So I think I, I think our goal when we when we highlight players like that, we use them in our case studies, is is to, to show young players that. One, it, it can be done. One, but two, they're, they're hopefully they're pied pipers, right? They, they see a player that does this, and then other, other players take notice and they turn their heads towards NCAA Division One because that's our goal. We want players to pursue college hockey and have have great careers beyond college hockey. But we we highlight certain players um, and hopefully be used as pied pipers, where if a family see that and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. That looks like something that I want to do. And now there's a there's a kind of a track record in place. Uh, so that's why we highlight those guys. So you also mentioned earlier you were in town recently to host an information seminar. Um, this one was for 07 to 09 born players in the area. It was before a, a Coquitlam Express game right by the rink. Uh, we touched on the the type of messaging um, you like to provide during those sessions. But uh, when it comes to like the Q&A and you get the, the, the players and their parents asking questions, like does anything stand out to you as far as what you heard back from them? Or are you ever surprised at the type of questions? Is it usually kind of a standard? Like, what are those interactions like uh, in those settings? Well, I, I think in, in particular to that event in Coquitlam, I thought Kyle Turris did a phenomenal job um, as a player that was in their shoes really not all that long ago. He was a young player uh, in British Columbia, and he had choices to make, right? You go play in the WHL or you could play NCAA uh, Division One hockey. And um, he pursued NCAA Division One at Wisconsin and went on to have a uh, remarkable career in the NHL. Um, and I think he did a wonderful job of, of highlighting what it felt like to be, you know, have that type of pressure on him at 14 and 15 years old to, to, to make that early decision. And then really guide through what his thought process was. 
Uh, we typically do something similar at all our events. Um, we'll have NCAA Division One coaches there. We, obviously, we had Greg Powers uh, from Arizona State at the Coquitlam event. And I think that's a little bit of the highlight of the event. I think the information and the presentation that I give um, is good, but our special guests definitely uh, highlight the event, and I thought they did a fantastic job. So I just want to ask you a couple more personal questions. Before you joined College Hockey Inc. Uh, in 2019, you were a longtime coach at several universities in the U.S., um, institutions like Oakland University, Arizona, Ohio. Um, what was it about coaching that was so appealing to you? And um, obviously, you, you enjoyed it. You did it for a long time. So um, how did you get into coaching and, and why, uh, why was it so appealing to you? That's a great question. So... I've always enjoyed coaching. Um, I've been, outside of my love for the game, right? Obviously, I love the game of hockey and I like being involved in hockey. I really like the aspect of building a culture of a program, uh, leading a group of, uh, of players towards, towards a common goal. Um, that was always very the, the most interesting part to me. And, and every season was, was unique, you know, in, in its own way. Um, but I got into coaching um, kind of. It was just something I wanted to do as a volunteer. I graduated from college. I was I always thought um, if I was going to coach, I'd coach my own kids, and but kind of fell into it as, as a volunteer assistant coach, and it grew into a, to a full time position. And I've been working in in hockey in one form or another for, for over twenty years. So I've been one of the fortunate few that's been able to really have a career doing something that I love, um, and I've been lucky to do that. And then what led to the transition to join College Hockey Inc. Um, after your, your last uh, season coaching? Great question. So <laughs> I guess sometimes you just get older and you get married and you start to have kids. And that's what, that's what happened with me. Um, <laughs> I, was work, I was working at Ohio University. Uh, I was the head coach of the hockey program there. My wife was working in the athletic department and their son was born. My first son, my first child was born uh, the first week of the hockey season. Um, and about halfway through that hockey season, my wife was offered a really good opportunity at Michigan State University in their athletic department. Uh, so we made a decision then that this was you know, too good of an opportunity to pass up. Uh, so I finished my season, um, and then we moved up to, to Michigan, um, which is where I'm from. So it was also back to, you know, to, to the area where I grew up. My wife got a great job at, at the university, and um, the College Hockey Inc. opportunity uh, kind of popped up at the same time. So I was lucky enough to, to apply and, and be able to land this position. And uh, it's been going really well. And uh, we really enjoy where we live. And it was a really good decision. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a few more here before we finish up. So you talked about how um, NCAA Division One hockey is growing. There's new programs seemingly popping up uh, every year, which means uh, more opportunities for uh, players uh, in the BCHL and other uh, junior A leagues and uh, in Canada and in the U.S. And um, so one thing that is no secret is that there's not a ton of representation of teams out West. And with the BCHL being uh, the, the westernmost junior A league in Canada, uh, do you know uh, of any plans to expand out West? Uh, should fans and, and players in the area be expecting anything? Um, what's the situation there? Yeah, great question. Um, so like I touched on, that is something that our organization has taken under our umbrella. Um, we want to grow the game at the NCAA Division One level, uh, men's and women's. Um, so we are meeting with schools on, on a pretty regular basis. Um, and what we can offer them is, is a feasibility study uh, paid for by the NHL um, to universities that are interested in, in adding NCAA Division One hockey. And I can say that those conversations are, are happening pretty much all the time. Um, most schools um, wish to remain 
um, keep their information behind closed doors and keep it um, from the public until anything's official. So I can say um, it is happening all the time. There are schools out west uh, that are interested. And like I said, there will be more NCAA Division One hockey teams, uh, not less in the future. And that's something that we're very excited about. Yeah, that's very exciting for for us here out west as well. Um, so uh, it, it's no secret that college hockey's representation in the NHL is growing at a rapid pace. I mean, you look 20 years ago uh, compared to now, and it's really not comparable. Um, how how much uh, it's increased uh, with uh, NCAA alumni um, represented in the NHL. Um, so w- why do you think that is? What's the reason for that, uh, the growth in, uh, I guess, the quality of, of players coming out and the representation of uh, former college players in the NHL? Well, I think there's a variety of factors. I think college hockey has just drastically improved over the last 20 years. Um, from the coaching to the facilities to the, the schools that, that are offering it, uh, I think higher-end players every year are choosing NCAA Division One hockey for, from all over the world. So we touched on, you know, 33% of the NHL is former college hockey players. Um, and believe it or not, 20% of Canadians uh, in the NHL are, are former college hockey players. And that number might not sound high, but there was a time when 0% of Canadians right. in the NHL chose college. And now it's 20%. And it's players like Cal McCart, right? Players who are going on to, to, to Hall of Fame type careers. So um, not only is it, you know, increased facilities and, and coaching and schools, um, it's just become more of a worldly game. In fact, more Europeans are playing college hockey than ever before as well. So it really is becoming a melting pot of, of some of the world's best players are, are coming NCAA Division One hockey on the road to the NHL. Yeah, beyond the growing NHL presence, um, I mean, college hockey Inc. started in 2009. I know you you weren't there at the start of it. You joined in 2019, like I said earlier. But since then, since College Hockey Inc. came came around, what are some major changes that you and and your colleagues have seen um, in College Hockey over the past five to ten years beyond what we just talked about about uh, the growing representation uh, in the NHL? Um, well, I think one of, the, one of the biggest changes has just been the, the, the number of teams, especially the, the last 20 years. It was dominated for so long by teams out east and, and teams in Minnesota. Um, but now you're seeing teams like Arizona State, right, who are, who are having uh, successful runs, and were the, they were the fastest team to reach an NCAA Division I tournament. And then Big Ten programs, the, the Big, Ten, Big, Ten, Big Ten hockey didn't even exist um, 10 years ago. So I think just the overall growth uh, and the structure of the game and the schools that are offering uh, it has been, to me, the, one of the biggest eye openers in, in the last ten or fifteen years. Last question for you, more of a bigger question, bigger picture question. I know you've touched on um, some of this already in some of your other answers, but um, why why should the college hockey path be appealing to young players? Well, I think there's a variety of things. One, I think overall, the biggest benefit of pursuing NCAA Division One hockey is just that you're an NHL prospect for longer, right? Um, like I said, NCAA hockey is not under 20 junior league. Um, you're likely not going to have a commitment until you're 19 years old. You're going to play college hockey at 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. And, and the average NHL rookie age is, is 23 years old. And in fact, it's actually picking up a little bit. It's 23.1. Um, and I hear all the time that the NHL is getting younger and younger. Uh, the NHL is getting younger and younger for a half a dozen elite teenagers that have the ability to play in the NHL. 
Um, everybody else gets to the NHL at 23 or 24 years old. And in fact, there was a player, I can't remember his name, but about two weeks ago that uh, made an NHL debut and he was 27 years old. Um, so really that's the biggest benefit is it, it, it is a longer development cap path. It keeps you as an NHL prospect for longer. And you're doing all of that while you're earning your degree. Uh, so you're, you're, you're doing two things at once and it's developing you into an NHL talent. So that to me, that's the biggest benefit. All right, Sean. Well, that's all I got for you. So thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And, and thanks for all the work that you and your colleagues at College Hockey Inc. do. Appreciate it, Jesse. Had fun doing it. Appreciate the opportunity. Huge thank you to Sean Hogan for joining the podcast. All right. Now it's time for our second and final interview. And this one is with Surrey Eagles forward Jake Bongo. The 2003-born forward is enjoying a very successful second season in the BCHL. Uh, Personally, he has 48 points on the year and is top 10 in league scoring. And from a team perspective, the Eagles uh, have been in second place in the Coastal Conference for most of the season and are enjoying a bounce-back year uh, with a new ownership group and uh, a new crop of players. With the regular season winding down in the next few weeks, we thought it would be good to speak with Bongo about his couple years in the BCHL, his team's success this year, uh, and uh, get into him being invited to the All-Star game. Uh, Back in January, he was a part of the Top Prospects game and the outdoor All-Star festivities. So we get into all that uh, and uh, a whole lot more. So here it is. Uh, This is our interview with Surrey Eagles forward Jake Bongo. All right, Jake, this is your second year with the Surrey Eagles. You were part of last year's team that finished sixth in the conference and and ended up losing in the first round to Nanaimo, a team that went all the way to the finals. Uh, This year, you've already surpassed your win total and your points total from last year, and you you have uh, almost a full month to go in the season. I currently sit in second place in the Coastal Conference. When you compare this year to last year, what's been the difference uh, for this year's team allowing you to, to have a stronger season? Uh, I just think the culture in the room is much better. Uh, we have a really good group. Of, we have a group of returners, which obviously helps for a much older team. So it's kind of allowed us to be more successful this year than we were last year. So one difference as well has been, I know they've, uh, the own new ownership group, uh, is in, uh, the Brar family, uh, is uh, owning the team this year and they've done some upgrades, uh, at the rank. I know the, the dressing room has gotten an overhaul when you see, um, things like that going on, improving the player experience. Um, what does it do for you and your teammates? Yeah. Um- Ron and TJ have been awesome. Uh, the new the new gym and the new dressing room is first class. Um, our attendance at the games has been way up, which makes it more fun to play at. Um, our home games have been super fun this year. It's extra kind of just that home ice advantage per se that we didn't really have last year. Um, and it just shows that all the money they're up against it shows that they care. So. Us players are uh, more motivated to uh, do better for Ron and TJ. They've been uh, they've been awesome for us so far. Yeah, you you mentioned the attendance, and a lot of that has coincided with theme nights. I mean, they had a, a huge Punjabi night earlier this year. They had a Lunar New Year night that was uh, a, a really well attended. So, as a player, uh, getting to experience these different things uh, beyond um, having more people in the stands, what's it like to be part of of those different initiatives? Through 
throughout the year. Yeah, it's, it's obviously super cool to see uh, the whole community come together, um, not just for the hockey, but for those special nights that we have, like the Punjabi and the Chinese New Year nights. It's super cool to see everyone come down to support us for that. So, yeah, it's been it's been really good. So looking back to last year again, uh, and you personally, you've matched your point total with 48. That's what you have this year. And that's what you had last year. Uh, you still have 10 games to go this year. Uh, you're, you're in the top 10 in BCHL scoring. What's allowed you to improve on what was a, a very strong rookie year last year. Uh, but, but what do you think has been the contributing factors to improving on those numbers this year? Uh, I think I had a good off season this summer. Um, I put on a lot of weight, uh, got a little stronger, got a little quicker, but, um, just the team around me too has helped a lot. Having a much better team to play with, uh, definitely helps me play my game. Having good line mates like Cole Galata and Aaron Schwartz, we've been so good all year. Um, having those two playing with me is, has been really good. So they, we have really good chemistry so and get to play with them and we kind of build up with each other. So, um, hopefully we could keep it going the last 10 games and it's the playoffs here. Yeah. You kind of just perfectly led me into my next question. I wanted to ask you about some of those teammates. Um, you mentioned Galata and Schwartz. Uh, you also have teammates like Jacob Bonkowski, Tate Taylor, who having really good offensive seasons. So, um, does that take a little bit of pressure off of you? You don't necessarily have to be scoring two goals every single night. You can kind of let the play come to you. Uh, what, what does it do for you on the ice when you know you're getting that kind of support from your teammates night in and night out? Yeah. It's, um, I think the special thing about our team this year is how deep we are. We get scoring from all four lines. So when we have guys like let's say our one line's not scoring or one line's not having a great night. We have another line that can pick them up and, uh, and fill that scoring role. And so we've been we've been getting scoring from up and down the lineup all year. Bonk's been really good. He's been, he's been, uh, really improving all year compared to last year. He's having such a good year. And then Tate Taylor's obviously taken a huge step and, um, he's been crucial for crucial for our team. And then, it gives us a lot of confidence to play when we know we have the best goalie in the league behind us in Eli Pulver. He's been incredible this year and we wouldn't be having the success that we would be having if it weren't for him. So, Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Eli. He's uh, having an incredible year. He's leading the league in save percentage. He's leading leading, leading the league in shutouts. He's actually just one off of the single season uh, BCHL record uh, of seven. So uh, you just touched on it a little bit, but maybe just go into a bit more detail. What, what has he meant to the team this year, uh, knowing that he's back there and he's, he's going to make the save more often than not? Yeah, he's been our MVP for sure so far. Um, he's the hardest worker on the team. He's always one of the first guys to get to the ranks probably the last guy that leaves the rank. He takes his recovery super seriously. He has, his habits are amazing. Um, but yeah, as a team, it gives us so much more confidence and it allows us to not be afraid to make any mistakes because we know if we make a mistake, he's going to have our back and, and bail us out with the big saves. So you're from Ridgefield, Connecticut. Um, you were when you were deciding where to play before last season. Uh, what led you to the BCHL? Why did you ultimately end up deciding to come out west and play your junior hockey? Uh, I had a couple of good talks with Cam, um, who's our coach at Surrey. Um, there's been a couple of kids who I who I've known previously, who I kind of grew up playing with, who have played for him, and they've they said great things about him. 
And then in the game, so it was pretty much a no brainer um, coming out here. I, I liked the league a lot. I knew it was a really good development league for college, get me ready for college. So uh, yeah, Cam, me and Cam had a couple of good conversations and then obviously uh, I thought this was the right spot for me to develop and get better. And speaking of college, um, actually doing a little bit of research, I see that your dad, Bob Bongo, was uh, a former college player. He played at uh, Connecticut back in the day. So uh, what uh, kind of influence has he had on you in your career and obviously wanting to follow his footsteps and, and, and play college hockey yourself? Yeah, he. Uh, my dad played at UConn for four years. Um, I kind of got into hockey because of him. He was, uh, you know, I look up to him a lot. He was my coach. He coached me up until up until Bantam. So uh, sometimes he's a little hard on me, but it was probably for the best. And uh, yeah, he's been uh, he's been my biggest model in hockey for sure. Um, given the fact that you're you're so far from home, is he able to make it out to many games? Does he mostly watch online? Um, how how does he handle that? Uh, he's watched every game online. Uh, he he's made a couple trips out. He's actually coming out this weekend. We have a three and three, so he'll be there for that. He's uh, he's came to the showcase uh, both years. So uh, yeah, he's he's a big fan. He loves coming to watch. So it's fun having him around. So you earlier this year, you, because of your strong play, uh, you were voted into the BCHL outdoor all-star event in January in Penticton. Uh, you participated in the outdoor skills competition as well as the three on three tournament, your team, along with the other mainland players, team tourists ended up winning the three on three. Um, what was that experience like for you? Um, getting to play in, in such a unique event. Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, getting to meet uh, guys who you normally don't get to play with or you're usually playing against with. Um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. The outdoor event was awesome. Penticton's an awesome city. It's a great junior hockey city. So uh, it made it cool. It was cool that it was snowing outside. Uh, it's really cool atmosphere. Top prospects game was a lot of fun, too. Overall, it was uh, just a great weekend of hockey, and uh, it was, I had a lot of fun meeting all the uh, different players from around the league. Did you have much or, or any experience playing on on outdoor rinks uh, back home? Um, I actually did. My dad, uh, growing up, my dad would build like a like a mini outdoor rink in our backyard. So uh, I have a brother and sister that play too. So we always grew up playing shinny on the uh, on the little ODR in the backyard. So. Nice. Um, so, uh, going back to, to the season this year, uh, when you look at the coastal conference standings, it's pretty much been a two horse race most of the year with, uh, your team and the Nanaimo Clippers. You currently sit seven points back with, with 10 games remaining, but you do have two in hand. Um, is it still a goal of you and your teammates to catch them for first, or are you kind of more worried about just finishing the year playing well and, and playing the right way heading into playoffs? Yeah, we obviously want to try to catch them, but regardless of what happens, it doesn't really matter who we play in playoffs, whether we have home ice advantage or not. We, uh, if we know if we play the way that we've been trying to play, we can beat any team in the league. So uh, we're more just focusing on the process, uh, just playing good games these last 10 games and kind of getting ready for playoffs and have that uh, playoff mentality. So when, when you talk about playing the right way, what are, what are you actually looking for from your team that would indicate that you're playing the right way? What's the style of play that you and your teammates and your coaches would like to see from the Surrey Eagles down the stretch? 
Yeah, I think we have we have a really smart and skilled team, but right now we're trying to play a more of like a like a heavier style, be be harder to play against. Um, previously, teams probably think that we're kind of a soft team, that we're easy to play, easier to play against. So uh, we're trying to play more of a hard nosed defensive style, like hard to play against, hard to score goals against. So we're uh, we're trending in the right direction in that way. We're not giving up a lot of goals recently. So looking beyond this year, you're committed to Sacred Heart University uh, to play your NCAA Division One hockey. Uh, what was it about that school was that was the best fit for you? Um, yeah, when I was kind of going through the recruiting process, you know, I checked all the boxes. I could get a really good education. Um, it's pretty close to home too, which is really nice. So if I have an off weekend or something, I go home and I get to see my family a lot. My family could come to games. And uh, I love the coaching staff. They've been awesome. These uh, last question for you uh, with uh, looking at the standings, given where your team is, I think it's a pretty obvious answer here. Uh, given that you're, you're, you're one of the um, high, highly competitive teams in the league, but uh, when you look at the rest of the season and, and looking ahead to the playoffs, what's the goal for your team as you uh, finish the season this year? Yeah, obviously uh, we want to win a championship. Um, we know within our, within our locker room, we have the team to do it. We have the skill. We have the uh, we have the culture. We have the right mindset. Um, going to these last ten games here, we want to play play to win every game. Kind of prepare for playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think we really do have the team. We have the we have everyone behind us. Um, I think we could definitely win a championship with the group we have. All right, Jake. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Really appreciate it. Um, And best of luck to you and your teammates as you head into the playoffs. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Right, that does it for another episode of the BCHL podcast. A huge thank you to both of my guests, Jake Bongo, who you just heard from, and Sean Hogan from College Hockey Inc., who we spoke with at the top. Well, BCHL fans, before we go, just want to note uh, that it's a very exciting time in the league. We're uh, creeping up on the most exciting time of the year, which is obviously the playoffs. Um, the final day of the regular season is March 26th, and the postseason will begin shortly after. So uh, be sure to get out to the rinks uh, if you can. Uh, if not, follow along on Hockey TV, on the BCHL social media, and our social media handles are at BC Hockey League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a quick plug before we go, we have a brand new addition uh, in our BC Rays series, and this time it's a feature story on Salmon Arm Silverbacks forward and Victoria BC native Owen Beckner, uh, and that was written by uh, Nick Greenazan. So be sure to head to our website, read up about uh, Owen's journey through youth hockey and growing up in Victoria and how it led him to the BC Hockey League. Last but not least, uh, a couple thank yous. First off, thank you to our producer, Greg Ballack, for putting this thing together behind the scenes. And of course, uh, thank you to our presenting sponsor, Finning. And once again, if you're looking for more information about Finning and their products, visit their website, finning.com, F-I-N-N-I-N-G.com. All right, thanks everybody. Talk to you again soon.